Uh, just don't use the letters. That's all I gotta say. So. Okay. Oh, we're not use not allowed to use. That's letters. turf bullshit, which is also letters. What the fuck are you talking about? Hey everybody, <laughs> this is the Machination Log for July third, twenty seventeen. I am your host, David Paddock. Sitting farther from the mic than usual on account of being sitting. Ryan. Yes. Ready to offend. Nicole. Present. Lou. David. We've got movie crew plus one yet again. We have our 80s rep is still here. Still Lou. (laughs) Yes, keeping it alive. (laughs) Do you love the 80s? I love the 80s. How much do you love the 80s? On a scale of one to ten. On any scale you see fit to use. Eleven. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a reference to the 80s. We're, here to <laughs> We're not here to review Spinal Tap. Um, but it was an option. Yeah. Nicole? Yeah. Yes. What the hell are we here to review? We're here to review Paris is Burning. And this is a, uh, what is it, a, a you know, NYU film students documentary project mm-hmm. of black, gay, and or transsexual men in Harlem between the years of 86 and 88. Mm-hmm. Apparently the dying edge of the golden age of the New of York ball. balls. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, these weren't these wouldn't be your dilettante balls. Uh no. These would not be your ACDC balls. I don't believe so. So what exactly is this documentary about? What what are we what am I watching? Well, this this movie starts out uh, uh, the reason I picked this for 80s, I mean, and, and I, you know, I just looked past all the other fine 80s films I could have <laughs> chosen. Believe me, I tried. All the honorable I mentions. It's <laughs> because this is, this is a documentary of how people, disenfranchised people who had, uh, according to, the, I think the second person interviewed in the movie, three strikes against them. One for being, like, a black man. Um, what was it? It was like for being a man, for being black, and for being gay. Like mm. he had all those things working against him. In Two this of those culture. are still strikes. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is a time where you know there were di- there were disenfranchised, you know, and and there still are, you know, black gay men. Um, but the culture around them is very uh, rich, white, and uh, very. 80s. Ex- extravagantly <laughs> loud and voluptuous and fashion-oriented. Yeah, this this movie revolves around aspirations that are born out of magazines. Exactly. And I, I well, and that's part of the reason I picked this, because I thought it was cool just to see how how the kind of 80s culture affected peoples that could never actually reach what the media was selling them. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this may have been one of the earliest times that this hit I, I guess calling this movie mainstream is a completely insane um but it, we have this all the time now i mean there there have been quotes for many many decades about americans all thinking of themselves as temporarily embarrassed millionaires yeah i mean this is a way that we mm-hmm. think about ourselves mm-hmm. um we even if we have absolutely no way to become rich we like to either pretend to be rich or feign to be rich or imagine that we can be rich or, because or, that's what we're meant to be or take like outsized inside. risks to try yeah, to on be... the inside we are all rich white females <laughs> basically yeah um yeah. and this this movie follows the journey of a bunch of people who have who have carved out a way to make not necessarily and this this is kind of what makes balls 
a beautiful concept, even though they're rooted in a, a completely rotten capitalistic nonsense. Ideology um, is, is that they have um, they have a cargo cultness to them. <laughs> Where they have done all the things that make you look and appear and affect being a wealthy person who can do these kinds of functions. Um, but because they brought it all together, unlike the cargo cults yeah. um, in, the, in the Eastern Bay, uh, the planes are actually landing here. Um, they're, having, they're having a great time. They have established families around these things. They ha- the contests seem effectively fierce. I yes. mean, there is... It, it it's which real. was used frequently during mm-hmm. the movie. It's the only time you get the impression that these people have not fulfilled what they are trying to achieve is when they interview them individually. Or when they individual... Or uh, when individually in their own homes. Because this is when you see that these people are not like the rich high society folk that they portray themselves at these balls. Mm -hmm. So this is really like an exercise in superficially gaining what they want out of the system and what the culture has, you know, sold to them for all these years because they want what everyone else wants. They want to look like the cover of the fucking magazine. Mm -hmm. They think it's important, too, to to put put the context in there. And and all the 80s movies that we were reviewing and for Nicole to pick one... um, they had this this sort of surface, this superficiality that is very, uh, you know, characteristic of the '80s in general. And if you look at that, you know, the, that era in our country and what was happening, and there was wealth in certain areas, and and not, you know, there was no wealth in other areas. And it was a time of excess. It was a time where white people they they made millions of dollars in real estate and Wall Street, and a lot of those cliches came out of the '80s because that's when these things kind of developed or blossomed. Um, this, and this, this was also when in the in the bipolar world of uh, super geopolicy, America was so completely the domineering force. Oh yes, yeah. um, and we were still unabashed about it. We were it was okay for us to flaunt that. We hadn't gone into our '90s 2000s phase. Where we had to wonder whether or not that was okay, it was fucking okay. Oh no, they went all they went hog wild with it. It was the era of cocaine, and it was the DeLorean, and <laughs> you know, just everything that it was the era of Heather's. Those, those, yes. those are the only two nouns you need to describe the eighties: <laughs> cocaine and DeLoreans. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, and if big... you think about it, cocaine's as a, a drug of excess. The DeLorean obviously is a car of excess stainless steel. And, if and anything the people else. in this movie, they just want their part of that culture. Well, this yeah. is the what I found most interesting about this movie is that it, it it was a snapshot into a real life situation that was reacting to what was happening on this bigger level. Mm-hmm. You know, in in our country, you know, they were disenfranchised, but they, they didn't choose to sit there and complain about it. And I'm not trying to say that people do today. Just in general, though, they they weren't taking the low road on this. They were going, well, fuck it. Why can't I look like that too? And in in their own way, in their own you know beautiful way, they took that and and made a uh, this fantastical world around it. Mm-hmm. You know the the whole world of the ball and having your families, like you mentioned, David. It's just I thought it was spectacular. Okay, Ryan, do you have anything you want to add to the the atmosphere of this movie? Yeah, so this is a movie about men pretending to be women, right? Like this oh, one, this or one, pretending to be straight people. Yeah, okay, yeah. So this is at least yeah. half there of was, them are, There yeah. was a lot of categories which yeah. will break down. Well, <laughs> think, initially, well, they, right? They said initially yeah. it was men who, 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 they were trans, they would like to dress up as women, 
Mm-hmm. And originally it was very showgirly. More the more fantastic yes, exactly. the yeah. outfit yeah. was, the more flamboyant the outfit was. That's what won you. And then in the eighties when it started It kind of broke down and everyone had their particular flavor. Gotcha. Okay. So these are drag queens. A lot of them, yes. yes. And they the have origin a, is drag. Yeah, okay. the origin they is. call now, themselves queens all now, the time. Yeah. I don't mean to brag here, but I am the most recent um visitor to a drag show. Um, I went to one just this past spring at the. Uh, our, that our depends love... on what you define as drag. Okay. I went to a show where men were pretending to be women and lip syncing show tunes. I saw a man in a coyote suit that was extremely. <laughs> oh, see, I'm glad that you brought that up because okay. I feel like where this movie starts, like the conventions you go, are kind of like an extension okay. of I'll this get, kind I'll, of that, culture. That's a digression we okay. have to wait on. Okay. okay. <laughs> I am still throwing down the gauntlet that I am the drag expert in the room. Despite I'm not going to okay. contest good. it. Okay, good. So, so okay. being the dra- being the resident say. expert, I mean, I'm in related drag. to gay men. Yeah, and we did have yeah. gay people. And we yeah. did have gay people uh, at our viewing. So please don't think that we, you know, are just yeah. watching oh, no. this None in the dark. None of whom were black, to oh, be yeah. fair. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. We, checked nope, we so still many, lose. We checked so many boxes. We still you know, lose. I was actually wearing a nice uh, chiffon uh, under, undergarment. Nope. While we were, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> nope. That'd be hard to prove anyway. Egg, All right, look. <laughs> Eggshells, motherfucker. Yeah, right. No, see, I'm just going to blow through this. Look, uh, <laughs> just uh, drop my email in the re- and leave the comment section. We'll be good. All right, no. So this is... Okay, so... Um, I've got to say, I'm not the biggest fan of, of drag culture in general. Um, I, I, I find it, okay, so we talked about superficiality here, and this is something that I tend to have a problem with, which is that there is nothing more superficial than, you know, dressing up as, a, as another gender, um, you know, for pretend, for a show. Um, that is fairly superficial, and I don't mean to just say that that is the only superficial thing going on here, but... What I find very fascinating and why I have been to several drag shows and why I will continue to go to drag shows um, uh, is because, uh, really for two things, right? For one thing, they're fun. Um, just, yeah, say that. They're fun Good as energy. hell. Yeah, they're fun as hell. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, the second thing. Um, I think that it is very cool, or this idea of superficiality, which I've been, like, you know, running around my head with, um, you know, this is when it is not intended as a slur, right? When something is superficial. Um, I think that we're kind of setting ourselves an interesting little dilemma or problem in describing something as that, um, which is you have the veneer, right? The the exterior, um, which we would then define as being something superficial, but without or what lacks in the definition of superficiality is the, you know, the the motivation, the person behind, um, you know, behind that. And this is what I, I this is why I really enjoyed this film is because while uh, this film does really two different things, right? And and what is so fascinating about it is that it is, it is an introduction into this ball, ball culture. Yes. Um, it it gives you the different breakdowns, the history, um, the different terminology, right? So you kind of go out of here knowing the lingo and understanding the culture behind it. Um, but then you begin to find out and kind of understand a little bit about these people who, you know, live this way um, to where this isn't just merely you know, doing drag on the weekends kind of a thing, right? Like this becomes a more ingrained lifestyle for some of these people. And that was something that I found very fascinating. Some of the most really touching and very beautiful details is about how so many of these people, as you mentioned, being marginalized are also, you know, poor, like yeah. really poor. Yep. And because, you know, let's just be frank, it's hard to get a straight job in the 80s, um, you know. Also, uh, just to be clear, there's a, 
pretty radical misconception right now that being gay is a really easy way to become a millionaire. Okay. Uh, that's really, that remains untrue. Yes. That's <laughs> um, weird. In, uh, the number of gay guys in either executive positions or in showbiz gives the impression that there are a lot more of them all over the place. Okay. Yeah. And I hate to tell you this, but you know, like going into showbiz, you know, ain't exactly a way to get rich. No. Like, yeah. No, there's no, a lot that's of high risk. Yeah. No, <laughs> high risk, a lot of work, a lot of, for a little, little reward. Um, but I think that one of those one of the most fascinating things about this was that, you know, there is this kind of like superficiality. I mean, you know, we talk about being, you know, pretension or pretending as being kind of what is being staged or, or put on here. Um, and I don't know. I found this I found this film very fascinating. I found it very touching at times as you, well. You hadn't seen this before? No, I hadn't seen this film before. Okay. No, I hadn't seen this before. And I, I have to say I really enjoyed it. And, you know, we're going to try to have fun and, and make, you know, make light of the situation as well. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was moved at several points in this film. I was, I was, I found it very, um, uh, shameful and hurtful about what people like, uh, you know, that people go through during this time period. Cause we got to, I mean, also this is the 1980s. This is the AIDS crisis going on here oh, as yeah. well. Yep. It's 30 you know, years ago. Yeah. Dude, these, these, the, like the, the amount of like stigma. Well, that's that what I mean. There was less is, of a, yeah, ugh. this is from a time where there wasn't like a pride culture. So these people didn't necessarily have like kind of like, you know, neighborhoods or places where they felt like they had a community. Like, well, they didn't still, have a, a, a global community. Yeah, they might have still, had neighborhood people that they were fairly diverse, which is why the balls were, you know, such a big thing of bringing everyone together. Mm -hmm. There was essentially no legal recognition of any element of what we're talking about yeah. here. Mm -hmm. No, and I've, you know, I've, you know, you know, we live in Orlando. We have fairly pronounced gay culture here as well. You know, like it's just, it's also not you know the same way that we like as you know white people like tend to segregate ourselves from other kinds of cultures and our, and our friends as well. I mean, you know, gay people are the same way too, right? There's not like they're not like all this welcoming idea. You know, this is about you know primarily about black men. You know, in New York City, dealing with this, right? There's no like you know Greek culture or Latino culture or white gay culture that's be, you know there's like a a segregation that goes on within that. And, you know, those are also, you know, barriers that are put in place that aren't, you know, intentionally walling yourselves off, so to speak, but are just kind of like the natural expressions, you know, within that community. And I think that this is a little bit on display here as well. Yeah, it just depends on what you're aiming for. I mean, I, the term gay has for a very, very long time uh, just essentially meant anything left of straight. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's there are a lot of striations within that, all of which were completely irrelevant when being any of them was essentially frowned upon. Um, there's a massive profusion of letters that everybody is now at least mildly acquainted with, LGBT, AQ, et cetera, um, all of which are terrible and please stop using them. Um, <laughs> but they attempt to address the fact that there are these like these different little categories. Oh, yeah, but the, the thing is, there's no, <laughs> it only makes sense to break people into those groups if it is for the purpose of identification in this way and in almost every other way, it serves to be exclusionary. The balls appear to let in that it's entirely possible this was not covered in the movie uh, because the movie is very short. Yes. Um, it's entirely possible that by some form of etiquette or street rules, um, there are people who are not allowed into these balls. Mm -hmm. um, that it's seems possible. Well, they had their requirements listed, you know, ahead of time. So the ball was like, if you were going to enter well, but the also, military outfit. I just mean getting in the door. Yeah, but white yeah. people. We're the white drag queens in this film. To be fair, it seems unlikely that it's that strict, given that, uh, what's her name who Court, filmed this? The, oh, the, she, I don't know, the, I didn't write the girl's name offhand, but she was like a white 
NYU film student. Yeah, she does not yeah. look the type. So. Yeah, no. No, I mean, but, but like, I don't think they're that no, strict. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying that there's a kind of natural look because once again, this is a way. You know, we need like these kinds of labels in these communities to be able to distinguish ourselves within the larger context of what's happening, oh, yeah, who absolutely. we are, where we are. Um, you know, we're we're not all with with all people all the time. We're not at the same place altogether. Um, but this is something that develops within a community. And the reason, of course, this is because there's a, there there are like values underpinning it. There are taste and 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 culture and attitudes. That a lot are, of this is just about finding family or community of similar people for mm -hmm. you to embrace. And that's fucking... Because you like, don't this is have the that in the outside that. world. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and the director's name was Jenny Livingston. Mm -hmm. Yes. Who caught a bunch of shit for filming this, which yes. I don't quite understand. Well, that's people, actually... People she was were supposed under, to not profit Well, but the people were under the impression that I think because it, it did... It, actually like was sort of popular for a documentary film. People were kind of under the pressure that she made more money than she was disclosing. So then some of the people wanted money for being in the film and yeah, was there was weird things surrounding yeah. it. I don't know how much I necessarily want to talk about, again, I, I addressed it to the atmosphere earlier. Mm -hmm. I want to talk since this is a movie podcast about making a movie about something that is theoretically this touchy. Mm -hmm. I mean, thankfully this not only does the movie, I think, do a perfectly reverent job of representing job of it, it yeah. but it's also, um, the ball itself is a playful thing. Yeah. So, so making fun of it, it was absolutely possible. I, there are plenty of ways this could have been. Or just having fun with it. Yeah, it, there were plenty of ways that it could have made light of something that is important, but it is also light itself. So mm -hmm. it wasn't, it, there are a lot of topics that were much grayer or darker that this movie could have been about that it was not. And it's all subtext. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, but I think, I think we, we fail to realize sometimes that the, the collective conscious today is much more negative than it was in the 80s. So even if you're a disenfranchised group of people, you're not necessarily looking at the negative side of that. But you can... Do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to it's downplay to their predicament. It's hard to compare yourself too, right? Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. it's hard, you know... Having ha having been an adult in a pre nine eleven world and in a post nine eleven world, th there was a huge difference in that. Shit used to be happier, man. That's what I'm getting <laughs> at. Oh, People used to look at silver linings a little bit more, you know, in in the twentieth century. Oh, there's definitely no the, the time period in which it was captured does have to be taken into account. But there is always some way. There is always some way to subjectively consider whether, on balance, this movie should or should not have been made in the way it was. This okay. movie, I think, unabashedly is a good thing. Um, it not only shines a light the way that a documentary is supposed to, but it does it does a very decent, well-rounded way of showing both the group and the individual dynamics going yeah, on. No, I, I, yeah, I, I, I was really pleased. And this movie's, I mean, in I know we don't want to use all the letters, but, you know, in the <laughs> left of straight uh, culture. Just this say is queer. Queer. It works fine. Okay, I like, that's fine. Are we allowed um, to? You know, this uh, 100%. movie's this movie okay, is been pretty, by David. pretty well respected as kind of like a, a like a really key piece of queer cinema. Yeah, you know. I oh, mean, definitely, it, it's basically required. Yeah, reading. yeah. It's been going around for a while because not a whole lot of these documentaries get made. It turns yeah. out this uh, no one was asking for this. No, no. <laughs> well, that, that's the '80s for you. And if you go before this movie, I can only think. I mean, I can like basically name on my hand the number of occurrences that you have. You know, queer cinema that anybody would have 
actually watched, you know, like well, definitely nothing American or and even I mean, even if you think it. so so now um you know, now like Ru- RuPaul's Drag Race, that's a really popular show, but we're talking about almost thirty years later, did like this kind of concept be become something that could be shown on, you know, regular TV. Yeah. yeah. And you know, be like generally accepted amongst all groups. Yeah, a lot of times you see it early on about having to like refer- reference itself or to make the the issue of queerness a part of the. So, like the birdcage, you know, is mm-hmm. about like gay people acting straight, mm-hmm. and then like straight people not realize, you know, like so yeah. it has like it has to like be a major component of the content oh, of the plot even, in order even, to like make these things go around. Even as recently as two years ago in the Emmy circles where you're supposed to theoretically in the drama category have some gravitas, Transparent is a show that is completely about someone who cross-dresses. Yeah. Like that's the focal point of the show. Yeah. We are not over this. What was yeah. the um? What was the one with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Robert De Niro? Where flawless. He, yeah, Flawless, right? Where once again, it's about someone coming to terms, you know, with those two worlds together um, and, you know, so just, but really, I mean, what's kind of fascinating is that this film, you know, the wonderful lack of straight people in this film means we don't have to fucking really kind of deal with any of this horse shit, you know, <laughs> like it's kind of nice to, to not have this like, yeah, you know, there's no reconciling. Force. Yeah, Fuck no, it's man, like, just... this is their world and this is what they fucking do. Yeah, they let and, us take a look at it. And what's great. So I want to just kind of reach off a little bit into the film here. Um, because at the balls, there's different categories. So not everybody is just a, you know, gay man dressing as a female. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of there them. There are some splinter groups going yeah, on. Yeah. You know, some of them may have had more <laughs> surgery and have gone all the way. Some of them have chosen not to go all the way. But some of the groups are, uh, some of the genres are like, for instance, military. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know. Military exe- realness. Realness. Or, or executive. Or executive. and a, Realness. And a lot of these. Yeah, a lot of these categories are about realness, and they're about uh, these people trying to basically emulate Mm -hmm. a role that they can't necessarily achieve in real life. So they're not all just dressing as women. Some of them are just, like, trying to go out and be like, I can look like a fucking executive, too. Like pedestrian fantasies. it's, It's amazing, and they get judged for how well they could pass over at, pass, uh, as a straight person yeah. in these competitions. On a scale from nine to 10. Yeah. yeah. As far yeah. as I The judging tell. seems pretty loose, but nonetheless, <laughs> it's a good effort. The, they uh, still give out trophies, and those trophies are vicious, man. Yes, they They've were. got the fucking, that is no participation trophy they got handing out there. It's like yeah. a cube. No, if you've, if you've been handed a trophy that is shorter than four feet tall, you have failed. <laughs> the world of balls, all right? That's all I can say. And, uh, and I love segmented trophies. And, you know, and like, that level of decadence is totally within the spectrum of what's going on yeah. here. Yeah. In a way that's just, uh, it's it's what makes, they're doing it up to such a fabulous degree. I like, and then there's, you know, there's different things like, you know, because a lot of these people want to wear designer clothes, but they can't necessarily afford them. So there's, you know, there's a lot of psychology into whether you, you know, you wear something cheap or you wear like a designer or you steal a designer thing, but that does that play on your ego knowing that you're not real all yeah, there's, of a sudden. Yeah, like the idea would affect the performance <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, during your walk. And, <laughs> and there's there's an old hand who, uh, who they, 
She's addressed uh, Dory and Corey, Corey sitting yeah. in um, a dressing chair in a dressing room for the, basically the entire She's movie. the older styled showgirl. Yeah, she's, she's kind of like queuing yeah. us doing her in mascara on, on the, and that on the stuff. old yeah she's, yeah, she's the kids these days. In the she's movie. been around. Yeah. It's yeah. so, <laughs> it's maybe my favorite character. Yes. Um, it's so, uh, what, I'll edit in the one line that I love. It's mm-hmm. the last line of the movie. Yeah. If you shoot an arrow and it goes real high. Hooray for you. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, but you got you got the kids these days, because she's complaining about how everyone's just um, buying stuff now yeah. instead of making it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, But that's, I think, part of, that's why I think this reflects the 80s so brilliantly, because, like, the 80s was when culture got to the point where it was more exp- more important what the label was on your outfit than what your outfit looked like. Yeah, this like is, the eighties brought us that. Yeah, it's the magic. And hip hop culture is not recovered from it to a certain extent. <laughs> and I, I, it's not that's the only no one. diss on hip hop culture. It is also not the only culpable. Yeah, uh, the only culpable culture there. Um, <laughs> brand names are a thing. Yes, they have. Uh, they have not left. Yeah, and they show no signs of disappearing mm-hmm. for anyone at any stradation of life. Um, the eighties is still. In all of us, unfortunately, in this one way. As we, as we all uncomfortably <laughs> identified last podcast. Ooh, so, so I think it's time to bring up that this is where voguing came from. Yeah. That was actually pretty cool. I did not realize this. It, I mean, maybe it was prior to this. No, no, but this stuff, was. But this, this guy was hitting it hard with the voguing. No, what, but that's what I mean. Like Madonna. Ninja. Madonna ninja. culturally appropriated that from them. Uh, no, I yeah. know, but I mean, <laughs> it's kind of an important element in this movie, don't you it think? Is, it, I is, mean, it, it is a lot of crossover If anyone there. should be pissed at anyone, I think Madonna maybe owes these few folks a few bucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. Are, so you, not- are you suggesting that a white person sold something from a black person? <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So not only are are these categories based on dress, there is also competitions where you basically throw shade at each other through dance. And the words have changed over time. I love. There's an actual evolution to the words because mm-hmm. there's there's voguing, but voguing came from shading, and yeah. shading came from reading. Yes. Yeah. And it apparently like the acidity of these terms has just like moved forward over time. It apparently, I, I don't know what the newest term is. I'm not. No, I, I, Dissing? I, Paris, yeah, Paris is Burning Part 2 hasn't come out yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't, unfortunately, watch RuPaul's uh, Drive Race, so I don't know what the the lingo is uh, yeah. on, on that these days. But, yes, yeah, so if, if you don't want to try to dress like a woman or get judged for your realness, you can have a... Vogue off mm-hmm. with a fellow participant, <laughs> and boy, do they vogue! And man, there is some shoulder popping that is that it demonstrates some unbelievable shoulder dexterity and flexibility. It's it's really unbelievable. Well, and that is one of the people in this film who does that, who uh, has the measure of success after the kind of story after the ball yeah. main story it, of our of our ball culture is is that would demonstrated. Be Willie Ninja, yeah, Willie Ninja, and yeah. He is, of course, I think, as well, um, a part of the RuPaul's Drag Race show, right? Like, oh, is he? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Translated? Because what all these people want is they want what everyone wants. They want to be a Kardashian. They want to be famous. They want to be on TV. They want to be on uh, the catwalk. They want to be in magazines. Um, that's what all these people want. They just don't have the outlets at that point. I mean, there's a few more outlets like now, like we're we're getting to the point where... 
where these people are more mainstream, but then there just wasn't. And Willie Ninja did actually go on to choreograph mm -hmm. uh, some some different like events and music numbers and kind of made that that crossover, <laughs> right. which is what they all like all the people interviewed in this. This is what they all want, really, is they, they want to just be able to rise in the culture and be able to do what they do and be successful at it. Yeah, that's the weird thing is that what were they trying to like, you know, make the make what they did more popular or more accepting or 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 to like achieve a measure of success with that um you know or because if that's the case you know i mean we've got a um i mean the amount of rejection that these people's lives must have been filled with you know i felt very um you know that was one of the more difficult things to kind of like watch because one of the interesting things is is that they form various houses with each other. Yeah, they form it's, families. Yeah, they form families. Fam well, the houses. Yeah, the families yeah. and the house. And then the, the houses have names based on, you know, people who have been successful at the in, in ball culture, you know, winning. Yeah, they have, have two parents and then yes. all the kids adopt the parents' last names, which are usually names of fashion designers. Yeah. Or they're like, or they're, you know, they're, I don't know, their drag name or whatever. Yeah. Or they're so, just yeah, yeah, the performance. Yeah. yeah. The performance yeah. name. Yeah. yeah. And like. Stage name. Well, then they go, they have, there's a good scrolling list of them. Oh, all <laughs> yeah, that's good shit. But like, one of the reasons that this has to happen is that once again, you know, these are, um. You know, like coming out, at, you know, was a more momentous thing than it was back then. I remember even growing up that, you know, hearing someone had come out was like um, a fucking big deal. You know, like it was a rather like major. Yeah, event. a lot of these people come from families that don't necessarily appreciate. But kicked them out. That, fucking yeah. like rejected them yeah. for, for being this way and fucking. I mean, that, that still happens to a fraction of them. It happened to 95% of them. Yeah, absolutely. Back in yeah. The day. Oh, yeah, no. And that it was like, you know, that these people would have nowhere else in whom they could rely, you know, like that, you know, like one of the things you're supposed to be like part of the, like, you know, fucking unspoken bargain of being a parent is that, you know, like the first like, you know, 16, 18 years, you know, like I will be there for you, you know, like I will help you out through these kinds of things. And you know, that it is that there was something that would, you know, have this like automatic rejection. I mean, one of the most like really fascinating scenes is, is there's this interview with these two young boys and that's what they are. They're young boys. What are they yep. like? Fucking under 13, 13 and 15. 15. 13 and 15. It was like two o'clock in the morning on the street, you know, like talking about what it's like to be gay. Where else having, are they going to go? Exactly. Like more insight, more fucking understanding of their, of their, a more fucking frank appraisal of their own situation than frankly, most people I, I find are aware of their own situation. You know, like once again, like there's no real superficiality to, into, you know, what they were explaining or, 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 or what they were talking about in that about being like rejected and having no one who cares for them. Um, and that's why they were there where they were at. And they're like, you know, that is, you know, part of where these people grow up. And then to see that, like the, the kids these days kind of talk from these mm -hmm. people, you know, like, you know, like, honey, you just haven't been gay long enough or you haven't been dealing with the same issues uh, long enough. And so many of them, I think, you know, relayed these, the people who ran these houses, the parents were relaying on the fact that, you know, they had like, you know, they had experience in this, that they could like try to explain to them, you know, what mistakes that they had made. And, um, you know, we tend to find out also that these mistakes can fucking be costly, like really fucking costly in the end. Well, I yeah. mean, that's, that's, I think common in this, th that culture. If you're, if you're a 17, 18 year old runaway gay guy from middle of Wisconsin in the eighties, you went to the city mm -hmm. and, yeah. and then you found someone that, would take them take you under their wing. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, 
I don't want to speak for it now. I don't know exactly. It might happen still today. You know what I mean? People are confused. They need guidance. Yeah. They don't know how to deal with it. And, you know, for, for the most part, our society still sucks towards many people. So, you know. And in some areas, it's worse than others. Of course. Yeah. No, of course. But, you know, it's it just that's what kind of happened. And 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 I think that's what's beautiful about this the, the gay culture and in general, ugh, the queer cultures. <laughs> um, in general, though, is just that, you know, they, they really do kind of come together when they need to yep. and and you know they're there for each other you know they'd be gone if they didn't exactly yeah no i agree i mean this it it is a very survivalist tactic um where it can be considered as such as a conscious decision which it very frequently may not be um as one of those people um i know a lot of actually there's a house in the neighborhood across the street from mine uh which i guess i won't divulge any more than that, um, <laughs> has four gay couples in it. Um, they're all furries, so furries are in their own specific strata here. But um, but no, that uh, that particular tendency exists all over the place. Uh, single family, in terms of nuclear family, conceptually speaking, even it's not even. I guess it is still thirty years later. We're talking eighty-seven. Um, that agglomeration still absolutely happens. There is. There is a need for camaraderie that the the wider world does not satisfy, mm-hmm. um, and you need enough people around. You need some form of critical mass yeah. around you that has sufficient uh, relation to your own experience that you don't go crazy, or in the case of thirty years ago, um, to allow you to figure out how to make a living and barring that at least to stay alive. Yeah. Um, and these well, people because stick is, together for that reason. And because this is dangerous business. I mean, I know it, it still is for a lot of the, um, the trans, but even in this movie, one of the, the, the girls, Venus extravaganza, who they were, you know, did a lot of, uh, single interviews, you know, with her on her own. Um, she ended up being found dead underneath someone's bed, you know, shortly after the movie was done being filmed. Yeah, murdered. Yeah. yeah, just straight up murdered. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that a lot of that doesn't even necessarily it's a necessary but insufficient part of this uh the sex trade mm-hmm. is absolutely yeah. rampant. It's referred to a couple of times in the movie and it's one of the places yeah, where the movie Yeah, they tried to be a little coy about that, it. That was one of the was, places where yeah. there was some directorial editing going yeah. on. I, I think there's a lot more of those interviews that well, did not make it and, into the and, film. Yeah, and the people she did show when they referenced it were they were kind of like, well, you know, they 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 do things at at night. You know, I'm not gonna. They, it was no one's of, business, but they're yeah, own. yeah. Basically, they didn't want to really, and that is completely fair. It. it is no yeah. one's business but their own. Um, but those but those stories is, are tragic and remain so. Yeah, and, I mean, and it is very prevalent in that. In that group, too. I think uh, in many parts of the world, that's prevalent well, in, in these groups. I mean, we, we saw the documentary about yeah, Thailand and, and not, not the lady boys, but the trans community in Thailand in and general. And the thing is, the reason they're all sex workers is because uh, that's the only job that they can get that they can do. Like, they don't get hired for regular if, jobs. If you have to be in a low-level service industry job, it is very hard to have the at-a-glance, um, it's... A lot of the way that people discriminate against mm-hmm. people in lower level jobs is it doesn't matter what you say. Just looking at these people mm-hmm. gives you a red flag strong enough that you will not hire them. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's why a lot of them, you know, traditionally were pushed into sex work anyways. I know in, in Thailand they're trying to make some uh, 
they're making some strides forward. Like they're actually, they finally had like a, a trans, uh, transgendered like models doing uh, catwalk work and made it on some fashion magazines and stuff. But this is like a very new thing. Traditionally, they were for the most part pushed into sex work. As I feel like, you know, a fair number of the people in this movie probably, you know, did that for a living what? too. <laughs> or supplement. Given, yeah. given no other options. Uh, to, yeah. pull it, to pull it back into the film. Um, I don't actually know where I was going with that. I was hoping that just saying that would cue a segue. Well, we were talking about communities uh, and finding, like, you know, finding people that think similar well, that's, to you. I don't, don't want to talk about, okay. again, I want to talk about the film. I don't okay. want to talk okay. about just that. So how about those scenes in between where they were giving us a glimpse of what they were seeking those those shots of you know white America walking through oh, New yeah. York oh, yeah. City. Yeah. No, there are there are a handful of shots. Uh, straight people are given some. Uh, straight white people are yeah. given some screen time. They're given essentially no lines. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's it's surely as like a oh look at look at the white people. Well, on they're the basically the picture that came with the frame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well, no, and they're treated given. There's a musical. There's a musical background with absolutely no noise. It is like they're behind glass. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> it came with the yep. frame. Yep. And of it's course, another 80s reference that no one here gets. But okay. and of course, they're all um, they're all out in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Which this movie starts at night and ends at night, and is at night pretty much all the time in between. And most of the shots are at night. Um. Out when people are allowed to prowl, um, <laughs> like I, there's no, I, there's no getting around that. That's when these things are happening. Yeah, like from midnight to five is jazz time, and it is also ball time. Like that's when all of this occurs. Mm-hmm. But so, it, it did have that '80s documentary feel. It was very reminded me a lot of the decline of Western civilization. Okay, you know the the Penelope Spheres one that where she she documented the 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 life of the LA punk rock scene, mm-hmm. and it was um the not the Bad Brains but Black Flag. Uh, early black flag that she had really followed around, and they went on to become some of the most influential punk rock musicians ever, mm-hmm. you know, but you know she kind of caught them in this era, and this movie kind of reminded me of that, maybe you can say the RuPaul drag race kind of thing where that's where they are today RuPaul was a was an icon on MTV, you mm-hmm. know it, but nineties <laughs> had to yeah. had to no, trans- no, I, yeah. I understand, but you know we got that at that point it was only ten years ago then. yeah, not even. You know what I mean? So you had to put it into context in that time zone. But I think that this was a, a quintessentially 80s documentary because, you know, other documentaries that were trying to capture a, a glimpse of the real life of the 80s and maybe the strife of this subculture of people that many of the the Heathers type movies and things like that kind of really Hollywoodized, if mm-hmm. you would, if you will. Uh, you know, th- there was a distinct f- technique in the 80s or something like mm-hmm. that. This this movie is literally the opposite of Heather's. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> this one's... Ryan? You look yeah. deep in thought. No, yeah, so the thing... One of the cool things about this is that one of, one of the problems with documentaries in general is that when you, you need people to, like, talk to you, like, on camera about these things, and the yep. interview is a crucial component of this. For basi- basically, we get, you know... I, I think someone mentioned it earlier about the... The interviews occurring in the homes, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So we are shown a lot of documentary footage or a lot of like on-site, if you will, uh, recording of the balls happening, right? Then that is like one of my like they have this like 
spectacular, right? There's a lot of fun. Um, it is engaging. Um, and then you have these like interviews that occur within it that I think are rather and well done. Um, well, I think you're right. That the, that the, the best interview section is, um, the dra- uh, Dorian Corey. Yeah. Dorian Corey. Right. Because in the dressing, yeah, room. in, in the dressing room, putting on the makeup, um, as she's explained, I mean, um, I'm pretty sure that anyone explaining anything while putting on makeup can sound wise. I mean, don't get me wrong. That <laughs> was like. Like just a lot of fun. No, to but see. she she emitted the wisdom yes. of yeah. having been here for having 15, been there, 20 done years. that. Feeling yeah. uh, also very intimate um, as yeah. well, and that's another cool thing was that the way that this film reveals this kind of intimacy with its characters are very good. To a certain extent, the the street interviews I'm not uh, I was not a huge fan of. Although I did like the younger boy who was explaining how he hasn't walked yet, and when he walks, it's going to be my th- you know. Like, yeah. I liked I liked that young man a lot in this film. He's one of my favorite. Uh, people who were interviewed, um, but then like the really other the other great interviews, like you said, are the ones in the bedroom. Uh, the one with the young um, with the young uh, woman man um, uh, uh, who which was, one Venus? Uh, Venus? Yeah, Venus with the with her blonde hair. And she had hair. all yeah. the Paulina model pictures on. No, no, on that no, that was a different one. Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember her. No, name. that was another good one as well. As she kind of like almost tours you oh, around. Oh yeah, her Venus home. is the blonde. Yeah, blonde, let me show you my boat. Yeah, yeah. she does. Yeah. She does a kind of <laughs> let me show you. Let me let me tell you about my boat. Well, she goes scene. through a meticulous chronology. Well, it's because yeah, she has an icon, um, an, an an icon of her own, in what she wants to like yeah. explain uh, yeah. as well, who she draws upon for inspiration, someone that she relies upon to explain all of this as well. It's very, it's very, very cool. Um, but then the other ones, yeah, the um, it was Venus Extravaganza who gets murdered. I guess That's the yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those were particularly good um, interviews. Well, and I really like the. Um, I should have taken better notes, but the. Uh, he was the the heavier the heavier gentleman in the military garb, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they. Kind I of, love that scene of him nice, in the living room because yeah, he had like his sister or his yeah, mom. So he had some relative in the background. Yeah, but it's, the it's like another like real intimate kind of you know shot, and yeah. he's just I mean he's just talking about realness basically, mm-hmm. yeah. and he's talking about how he you know the military thing is. You know, he doesn't have to like flaunt all of this like big extravagant brand name stuff, mm-hmm. but he like can still like be very real, like within the military is a very controlling aesthetic, and he seems like he wants as little he, he doesn't want that in his life. He yeah. he's the one who talks he's I think he's like the only person in the movie who explicitly talks out against stealing. Right. Yes. Um he talks about the military being it's like you just you get the uniform and, you're and good. if the uniform is clean and it's on you're on point you're good. There's not he, he's not almost, interested in the creativity of it. He's he wants the order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really liked that perspective too because you know you think oh like drag queens and all this but it's like no the, I mean these people work on all different spectrums. Like not everyone is trying to like look like a you know it's is trying to look like what is it Paulina mm-hmm. or the whatever 80s models they're, they were all trying to imitate. <laughs> well, and it goes, I think I was trying to connect the, the idea of, of the superficiality of what, uh, of what on, in appearance, um, you know, drag shows can be like, right? I mean, it's the ultimate kind of like veneer of like a performance. Yeah. And it is, in fact, I think very interesting to see that this, um, the lifestyle, the decision, the aesthetics, the values carry over into that private realm, right? Into their own bedrooms. To where it doesn't be, you know, it becomes, you know, a, a lifestyle um, that is not like the gay lifestyle. You know, it is something that is, I think, more unique in particular to, you know, this group of people at this point in time. And it was, um, I mean, just uh, relevatory, to be honest with you. It was frank. It was 
uh, they were upfront with it mm-hmm. about you know about who they are and where they are, and I think that once again the community that they had built around in the film reinforces all of this. Um, because I mean, for one thing, all right, I mean, in a documentary you have like several problems, right? You either can show interviews, you can either show performance things that are happening now, or you can show reenactments, right? That's like all you have, <laughs> and like you know that balances out well in the sense that we don't have any reenactments in this one, which would be hilarious, but we don't have any reenactments. So in essence, right, we know that what we're seeing is for performance and anything that's not being an interview. And if you don't want to know how this can go wrong, uh, just watch any news segment where you see the interviewee having the stock walking towards the camera shot, you know, like, Oh, you mean every news, every fucking, yeah, but that's performance. And you're like, does this really, did we really need to see like eight seconds of this? Could we not just see eight seconds of the person actually being, no, this is, this is just to prove he's actually a bipedal mammal who with clothes on, who walks in the streets. Like Look, just, that's called the West wing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So conversation is better when it's on the move. But then we, 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 I think what, what I'm trying to get to here is that the, the interviews and the performance are so well worked into each other with they, um, it's a conscious decision to have to do this, right? You have to like figure out when you're making a documentary, you know, who the fuck am I going to talk to and where am I going to fill the, film them? And, you know, it isn't something... Well, and it's also, you've got to, I mean, you've got to get into where the community wants to play ball, too. Because, you know, if they don't... Well, you have a decision to make, which is because, that like, is, the environment, they... is the environment I want to film them in conducive to getting the material I want from them for my film? And those aren't always the same thing. No. Yeah, no. Yeah. And it's rather, I think, very striking the way that this gets revealed. Because you mentioned the the, guy, the military guy in the home... Um, I've completely looked glossed over the first Pepper uh, Levasia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, those interviews are quite, quite good as well in 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 their home uh, in in his home. And, and he's got like other people around too. They're all like watching him in the middle of the interview. And yeah, because he's, he's the parent in, in that house, right? Yeah. So he's, he's got his chil- Yeah, he's got his children around and such, and it's quite good. Um, those interviews also to where he uh, more than anyone else explains what the roles are who in the in the in the dynamic of the house situation. Um. You know his experiences and and um, you know our guy. He more than anyone is kind of our guide through the kinds of nuts and bolts of this whole situation yeah. more than anything else. Well, as the most winningest yes uh, <laughs> ball walker of them all, whose outfit at the beginning is fucking extravagant beyond extravagant. Oh yeah, really yes. great. Oh man, it was on point. Yeah, one no. of the last great ball walkers. Exactly. <laughs> no, I had no idea we had, we had lost so many and so few. We remained. Yeah, it's incredible. That's all. Yep. That is all certainly true. Does everyone else's uh, room, bedroom reflect their personality to that degree? David, I don't mean to. In- yours does. I don't- no, I was, yeah, okay, I was yeah, gonna. No. I was gonna bring it around the table before <laughs> bringing up uh, that I'm here. Okay, um, so because I, I, now I'm an adult now, so I actually share my bedroom with someone. Actually, yeah, I mean you guys do too, right? So like, how does that? How well does that kind of link up? Does your bedroom like how much of that expresses? I think our bedroom is a, an amalgamation of a more sophisticated taste between the two of us. It's not like posters on one side of my favorite guitarists and yes, you don't have your halves. You yeah, don't have your halves no, of the room. Re- I mean, we have our halves of the room where like I put my stuff here and she puts her stuff there, gotcha. but. You know, generally speaking, is... we have artwork on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. random stuff. You know, some of it I've oh, asked artists TM. to do. Yeah, I've, I've, I've asked people to, like, I've commissioned someone to do art for Nicole. We so we'll put that up. We have a fair amount of artwork in the bedroom, actually. Yeah, it's a lot of artwork. Okay. All right. Got a map. Those, a that's maps. the living room. That's the living room. Yeah. Okay. The living yeah. room. Themed. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Ryan, you're uh, I'm a temporary. Uh, I've lived temporary places all my life. So yeah, nothing. Lays haven't down. put anything up on. No, the, walls. the only thing that's most conducive to my mindset is the general clutter of my particular environment. So okay, yeah. So you're just you're just rocking the organizational aesthetic. I, well, I can't say that it wouldn't be wholly descriptive as well to a certain part of my personality. <laughs> say that much. Well, like, the other thing is with <laughs> our disorganization. Bedroom, is that what you're the temporary nature and disorganization of my sleeping arrangements? Well, yeah, I mean, no. I'm not uh, <clears throat> because we don't have a large closet either. Like we have to like, there's the the constant like fight with trying to fit the stuff that needs to go in the bedroom in the bedroom some somewhere. Well, no, but once again, it would be the 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 way in which it reflects your personality is the fact that you don't have separate sides of the bedroom. You see what I mean? Okay. Like that's like you know, like that's the core decision. Oh, no, he has his. Own. I I don't go on his side because you don't it's de- real decorate. messy. <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> It's it's more just like my side of the bed, though. Yeah, yeah. it's all just it really messy. Is. Do you well, decorate yeah, you know. your side of the bed? Yeah. No, but you know, rhinestones. He does have a Nate Diaz artwork on his side of the room too. Yes, but I mean, I, I didn't put it there because this was my side of the room. Yeah, this is I put what you it like there to wake up to. The morning is few Nate Diaz slapping Connor. <laughs> and I was thinking of putting a picture of myself on my side of the bedroom. But you know, it's it's not a bad thing to wake up to. No, I, don't. I mean. <laughs> I think we can all use a little Conor McGregor getting smacked in the morning oh, to, to wake us up. But no, see, so the items of our affection do make it onto the wall. Yeah, Ryan's, absolutely. Yeah. Ryan's well, still to me on it his was way more of a, Ryan loves clutter. Yes. Yeah, to me, it was more of a lack of a better place to put it anywhere else, to be honest. I had it in the office for, first. Because in the office, we definitely have our sides. Because she has, you know, her work area and my work area. And we tried to kind of keep things a little bit more segregated in that environment. But, you know. Yeah, there's no wall in this house that I'm in control of that doesn't make it immediately apparent that uh, I'm afraid. Which, uh, granted, part of that comes from the very rational thing where I look at a wall and wonder what I can put on it, and nothing else even comes to mind anymore, um, which is kind of cloying. But I also, the very first convention I went to, which is the furry version of the ball, which has a lot of the same things going on. I was, I actually um, had wanted to ask yeah, okay. you about yeah, I, want, that. I want to hold that off just for, yeah. no, 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 just hold that off. I want to finish this bedroom angle. That's okay. fine, yeah. but I just, so, so my, my walls were barren basically until this first convention, like everything, it ruined every fast of my life. Cause I went, I, I came home with 53 separate pieces of art. I know you gave me one too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and after distributing several of them, I was left <laughs> with probably, let's say, 45. Um, that covers a lot of wall space. No, but David, I mean, you're, for one thing, if I could just maybe describe a little bit of your bedroom, your bedroom is not, your it's bedroom is tucked away in a, in a, in a larger room of yeah, your house. Yeah, it's the theater. Yes, yeah, the theater. Um, how much of that room gets uh, is that is that used for those intended purposes? I mean, is it mainly your theater? Would you say or I for all intents and purposes, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. But still, it's it's. I a mean, space I'd be okay you... with Corey or Mike used it, but they don't, presumably because it looks like my bedroom. Yeah, well, it is kind of tucked away a little bit here because you know, kind of is your bedroom. It's the it? it's the problem with multi-purpose rooms. We're in one of those right now. Yeah, exactly. I basically live in a fucking commune. Yeah, no problem. So. Yeah, but okay. Once again, so, by your design. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are conscious decisions we've made, right? I hope so. Yeah, I think so as well. Okay, yeah. Let's not flush them off. I, like. I mean, part of it was a jigsaw puzzle. I had to somehow put a projector with a couch somewhere in this house that didn't have echoes so loud it would be insufferable. Yeah, and you you tried out several areas. I did. And then made the conscious decision to. Yeah, I've poked a lot of holes in a lot of walls for that projector mm-hmm. to get it to where it's at now. It's not going anywhere. There's next, a lot until, of mud on these walls here. Yeah. Until next month, yeah. 
Uh, this wasn't my fault, by the way. I'm pointing, well, mine, I'm, mine I'm pointing at a goddamn disaster on the wall here um, that I've. I like how I like how I've Corey covered. tried to hide it though. What? Oh, he does his best. He does his best. He has to cover up his name because it's wrong on his certificate now. But now, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> stop talking about uh, Corey. Okay, room. so when I the, when I first watched this film. I saw like all the different dancing. All I could think of is how you told me the fur community, which also dresses up in various attire. Spends a it lot could also of be described dancing. as fierce, I think. Fierce. Yeah. Like, so what is it with the dancing? Yeah, it turns out dancing, uh, yeah. I need to do more dancing. There, there's a life. lot, there's a lot of it going on. Uh, some of it is very high level, some of it is very low level. Most of it is very low level. But there are like contests or shows. Yeah, there's a straight up you there dance is, off. So the fur community, as a break off from the cosplay community, they have done an admirable job not making it a fetishistic, competitive nightmare. The okay. way that the cosplay community has more or less devolved into. I mean, the, the degree to which people no one no one will walk up to someone else in a fur suit at a fur convention and criticize it. That will not happen. At a cosplay convention, that happens to everyone constantly because you recognize the characters. That's and you a, already have an attachment to the said You character. potentially have an attachment yeah. to the characters. In the fur community, it's absurdly personal. So it's much harder to get away with that. But then on top of that, the convention, the people who run the conventions deliberately fight it. Um, because if they didn't, shitty things would start happening. The dance competition is one of the only instances of competition at the conventions, and I don't think they could stop it if they tried because um, the dancing's too much fun. And on top of that, the competitions are barely competitions anyway. There aren't any trophies or anything like that. They go Is through. Is there shade throwing? Um, no, not okay. no. It's actually it's it's. It's saccharine in kind of an awful way, given that there is actually a judge panel. Okay. Because there has to there have to be judges because uh, the most of the major conventions need prelims. So they know who goes on the final stage. Oh, okay. Just, because so just there like are so a, many people. A, so it's just like a triage vetting process. Essentially, basically. well, because okay. you can only put yeah, you can only put twenty <laughs> people into the dance competition before it goes on so long that they just got to cut it short. And that is actually a problem they s said with the balls was that they did go on forever and they could get well, the boring more categories they added. So many. Yeah. There's there's a comical amount of categories. How many categories at a fur con? No, uh, there's two. There's I've done this before and I haven't done this before. Excellent. There's veteran mm -hmm. and beginner. Excellent. Um, and okay. the veterans are fucking vicious people. Gotcha. Uh, and by vicious, I mean they're great dancers legends. and both and great people. Legends. Um, are they the legends? Uh, they deserve to be there. Okay. I guess that's what I would say. Um, but yeah, uh, that's not the same because instead of I don't know how they procure. They don't go into the logistics of how they procure the ballroom. Okay. Um, fur conventions take place in nice hotels and convention centers because a lot of white people go to them. Mm -hmm. um, that helps. Yes. Uh, so we don't have that angle. Okay. Um, but the rest of it, no. It's just a ragtag getting everybody together type deal uh, where, you know, uh, no one ever actually brings a camera in for long enough, apparently, to give anybody a reasonable lock on what the hell is going on. I feel like it's personally self-explanatory. Um, I guess it's just more detail than most people want to know. And then uh, the ball is seemingly the same way. I mean, you just have to, in order to understand what's going on at a ball or at a fur convention, you just have to get over the fact that people have sex. 
Yeah. And the rest of all of it falls into place. Like, as soon as that stops being, like, this mental block. So then it just becomes people like to dress up and dance yeah, no matter who just, you are. It's just a party. Like, that's, it's a party for a weekend. Or in the case of the ball, for however many fucking hours. What, five, six hours probably? Well, that sounds exceedingly normal. Uh, it would. Um, and you'd be right. Excellent. Yeah. It's just a fucking theme party. We all party. just want to be loved. It's a theme yeah. party. At the end of the day, we're all just people who want to dance. And we want to listen to music. Yeah. And we just want to get down. I'm actually kind yeah. of jealous because I feel like it's easier to dance. Because, like, as a straight person, going out to dance is fucking complicated. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. Oh, no. The, well, that's the one thing about this is that uh, the, the part that's not normal is that the general social pressure is practically non-existent. Which well, is why everybody dances. Well, then, and you also have the added benefit of, and I don't have to say this is a factor, um, you're also like not home, like not in your hometown. Right? So you're on vacation essentially. Yeah. yeah that and, and you're costumed. So you're not yes. even yourself. Yeah, exactly. No. I mean, you can do that most any No, party. yeah. Cause like, yeah, the Paris is burning. They live in New York and then go put costumes, you know, like that is yeah. part of the thing too. But no, I think, I think, I think not being in your hometown, I think that adds a little bit to it as well. Oh, certainly. Yeah. No, a there's a convention that happens in Florida. It's like my least favorite. No, because I, mean, I know almost everybody. Because I know everybody who goes. Yeah. No, sunsets are prettier when you're on vacation. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. Absolutely. No, that's all. And unfortunately, the balls don't have that going on. They don't have that particular factor. Yeah. But they're also not as carefree. Mm. They're pretty cutthroat. The Brownie balls. face. A lot of rules. Yeah, there a lot are of categories. Of Judges. Yeah, because there's even a, a situation where you know they they start getting real nitpicky with the rules. That was a categories. woman's coat, not a buttons man's on the right, coat. bitch. That's right, buttons on the right. Don't shave. Yeah, I love that fucking. Was it reading? You're reading. Take that one detail and you just blow it up. Yeah, that's Dragon Con, yeah. not Anthrocon. That's okay. that's the. That's the cosplay community okay. equivalent. Okay. Well, you know they have to realize they've made a compromise by being in real life. You know, like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I just they don't seem to like have that suspension of disbelief at all. Or... No, they have nothing but sadness in their hearts. Yeah. For She's coming in at at uh, twenty four frames a second or uh, um, holographic projection here of the character you're all failing to mimic. Yeah. Oh, it's depressing. I agree. Okay. What the fuck were we talking about? Well, we were uh -huh. talking about how your conventions might relate to. Yeah, there's a couple of parallels. There's dancing. There's costumes. <laughs> They're flamboyant. They're very, very queer. Do do um, do many people travel all over the country to attend these conventions? Yes, you they do? do. Okay. Um, most people are from out of town mm -hmm. in most of the conventions I go to. I mean, granted, I mostly go to big ones. There are a lot of little ones floating around. The ones I go to are a handful of thousand. Um, I've talked about this extensively in other places, so I don't necessarily want to hit on it too much. But... Um, the havens that exist, there's there's a word I got. Okay, so I'm about to... Could this culture have existed in the 80s? No, because <laughs> we don't have the internet. Exactly. Yeah, the internet was an absolute necessity. And that was one of the other, I guess that's the other reason why a ball happens in one exact in geographic perspective. Yeah. Because everybody had to get together, probably because not even with to, a phone. You had to flyer. You had to actually, yeah. You you had to beat the feet. lost art form, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. but it was a great and, art form. And good riddance. I guess those were opposing opinions on. I don't know what I was saying. We play the take back, please. Um, no, we can't. We could. I'm not going to. <laughs> Instant replay on the podcast world. So David, and we're back. Shot yeah. spot. So David. Uh, yeah, shot. So David. Uh, so we have a final 
uh, movie to round out our in-depth cinematic study of the 1980s. That's right. And to date, I feel like we've covered two very culturally important sides of the 80s. Oh, I do want to say on a side note, when I posted that Heather thing, I got a lot of discussion. People... People like Heathers. People, people had some <laughs> opinions. People, Told yeah, you. yeah. People were getting nostalgic on the Heathers. Damn, I'm yeah. telling you, I some thought... of those movies were like, yeah, down to the core. Man. Well, but this one actually, and this one was the same. Was the same in the queer like circles because you know, like, oh, my brother like, told us it was. You know, yeah, you had to watch it. Yeah, your brother had been pounding us for years to watch this, and then you know he was thrilled when he heard that we were going to you know choose it as a. Excellent. As an '80s movie, excellent. We checked some boxes today, guys. Yeah, yeah. We, we have. We've we have covered the very real sides of the '80s. Yeah. I feel like we've covered actual, meaningfully real culture on both the on on both its glamorous side and its unglamorous side. Um, but we're missing a really important part of the '80s. <laughs> All right, um, let's have it. There's a there's a whole world, and this is. This is a very movie part of the 80s, but Excellent. it is an essential part of the 80s. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of movies I could have picked to fill this void. Some uh, of them would have been. Uh, some of them. Any honorable mentions? What? Yeah, any honorable. Um, I'll cover them in just a second. Okay, good. All right, sorry. Um, you'll all know who I'm talking about for the runners-up to this, but you may not have heard of our pick, which uh, senior video game critic Jeff Gersman lauds as his favorite movie of all time. Uh, this movie is tropey. Okay. And awful in all of the right ways. Excellent. That movie is Cobra, starring Sylvester Stallone. And his sunglasses? And his sunglasses. Okay, gotcha. Okay. And Brigitte Nielsen. And his fast car, <laughs> and his need to break the rules <laughs> as a badass cop. Oh Other choices God. include, I don't even have to list them. What, okay, gotcha. Yeah, you, no. know, you know, 80s action, man. We have not covered an action movie in the 80s. Oh, God. I, I know, because we were covering real culture they and, were, like, yeah. real issues. They no. were fast and they were bad. I've got, I, I don't think I have seen this movie. That's how bad it is. Really? No, I think I've seen, I've, I have probably seen parts of it on TV as I was, like, That's the first time I saw it. Oh my god. Strap the fuck in. Oh my god. It'll be a ride. <laughs> That's gonna do it for the machination log. Lou? David? Nicole? David? Ryan? Speechless. Thanks for your part of the machination log. Good morning, everyone.